You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, chumps? Thank you to Justin Johnson for the nickname Chumps. Now, I know I'm talking a little bit soft here, but you're going to have to understand why. I just got back from a week-long vacation with my family. It's late Sunday night. I've got to put this podcast episode up. My wife and daughter are asleep, and my wife and I just got into a big fight tonight. So i got to be real careful not to wake them up because she thinks that I don't put the amount of time and effort into our family and to our marriage and to our daughter as I do into stuff like uh, the podcast, for instance. So I told her, I, I explained to her, you know, I'm a, I'm a great dad. I'm a great husband. I may not show affection to my wife and daughter. And yeah, I may not clean up after myself very well. And yeah, maybe I don't wear deodorant or do stuff that other dads do. But damn it, the podcast has to get done on Sunday night. It has to. It has to get done on Sunday night. And who else is going to do it? Nobody. Joey's not going to do it. He can't hardly understand how a computer works. Toby's not going to do it. He can't work for more than five minutes at a time on a computer unless he's on ESPN.com. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Toby and Joey are great guys. I'm sure they read stories to their kids and they make eye contact with their wives and they're probably even good intentional leaders of their households but again damn it i do the podcast intro i put the thing together i post it that's what i do i do that for y'all i do and if my family has to suffer a little bit then so be it on the episode today we got a bunch of stuff going on some technical and sound problems and it's kind of all over the place You'll hear why. You'll see what's going on. Great interview. Good story. Thank y'all for supporting the Bad Christian Podcast. So like we always say, word of mouth is the way to go. So if you like this podcast, tell some people. If you don't like it, tell some people because there's no such thing as bad publicity. 199. 98. Oh, guess what? Forget it. Yeah. This yeah. is bad. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. I really like that. What was that? The Coolio Gangster. No, what's that song? It's Gangster's the, Paradise, Gangster. man. Yeah, that's the one that, that uh, out of all the songs that Weird Al ever did, that's the one where the... Uh, the artists are always flattered when Weird Al does their song, but they said Coolio was super pissed that he did oh, yeah. Am- Amish Paradise on that. Yeah, he actually said that if he saw Weird Al, he'd probably punch him. <laughs> Who would punch Weird Al? I love that guy. <laughs> you love that guy? All right, today on the Bad Christian Podcast, we have Naeem Fazel, and he is an ex-Muslim. He wrote a book called ex-muslim um and he's from where's he from joey from iraq uh no, I'm sorry. Uh, no he, he was he, born in pakistan yeah but he uh i, I think he was he in kuwait That's where he's from. In kuwait yeah, yeah he's from kuwait he was actually there in 91 when america During was Desert trying Storm. to free kuwait yeah yeah uh, that's and crazy so he's gonna be on the podcast he uh moved to the united states uh became a christian and is now an ex-muslim he spoke recently at rick warren's church and he also spoke at the ter- church that toby and joey work at 
Yeah, he actually was employed at the same church that we're employed at. As I was kind of moving into ministry there, he was setting out to plant a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, called Mosaic Church. So if uh, if you like what you hear and think he's a pretty cool dude, you should visit his church if you're in Charlotte. He's, and he really is. He really is the real deal. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, he sounds great. Uh, All right, so uh, let, uh, let, uh, let us explain yeah. what's going on with this episode. This one's a little bit different than normal in that uh, we already recorded this interview before this part that you're hearing right now, if that makes any sense. And Joey and I did the interview with Naeem, and Toby wasn't there. So um, is this the future or the past? I, just um, I think I think this is the future, but it will say it's comes pre pre uh, it comes before the interview. So, but it's the present for the listener. It's the present right for the listener, but it's really the but the future is the flava, right? So anyway, <laughs> this interview Toby uh, wasn't on. Joey and I did it. Uh, because Toby wasn't able, he had a crazy week last week and wasn't able to, to be on the podcast or do the interview. So we're catching up now with the uh, open. Yeah, I found out probably what, like an hour before the interview that I was not going to be able to do it. So tell us about that, Toby. Well, it was really shitty is what I would say and awful and scary and bad. And uh, so um my wife, Jess, who I love very much, mother of my three kids, uh, my best friend in the world, she uh, got killed. Like 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 it's only missed one podcast for that, for sure. Um, she's not going to laugh at that. She'll go, I don't think that was very funny. Uh, Sorry, no, she Jessica. Will. She, no, she has a great sense of humor. Um, so she has had a lump on her breast uh, since she was pregnant with our last child, which has been well over a year. And the doctors then um, told her it was just a cyst. But so she went for a regular uh, just checkup a couple weeks ago. And they were like, hey, why don't you just go ahead, maybe go get a mammogram, just check it out just to make sure it's not gotten bigger or anything crazy. So she went in and they uh, – they did the mammogram and she thought that would be it. And they were like, well, we still don't know. Let's do an ultrasound too. Did an ultrasound. And, uh, she said after she did the ultrasound, when the doctor came back, she could tell his demeanor had completely changed Golly. and, uh, said basically that there was a, a potential that it was stage one cancer, breast cancer. And, uh, so Jess, I mean, she was, he kind of beat around the bush or he just, no, it, it, he, he didn't want to scare her. Yeah. He's, <clears throat> he said there's potential, so they need to do a biopsy. Yeah. So um, my wife is 35 years old. So uh, they actually did the biopsy, and you have to wait like two days till you find out the, mm -hmm. the the results. And that was just, man, that was just awful. So we're just sitting there two days, and she just, you know, it would just hit her every so often. She was really strong. I was super proud of her. Um, and so uh, we waited for the two days, and so that's why when Naeem – was on. I just couldn't. I wanted to be at home with my wife because I knew she would just, you know, I didn't want her to be alone. And so, uh, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be not there either. I really wanted to be with her. And I honestly can say that I felt like it wasn't going to be life threatening, but I, uh, you know, I, it was unbelievably scary. So we get the results back and they, they thought there's potential it could be stage one cancer. I didn't even know this is, there's, there's also stage zero cancer, meaning that it hasn't spread at all or anything like that. And, uh, just very, very early. 
But she basically, <clears throat> they did a bunch of tests and even had to have another doctor come look at it. And she has something called hyperplasia, which is a, a I guess it's basically like weird cell growth that is created like a lump in her breast. So it is non-cancerous, but she now is kind of a sign of potentially that maybe one day she could have cancer. So she just has to be really on on point about With getting mammograms, getting stuff. checked. Yeah, getting checked and just really being on top of all that stuff. So it is a huge blessing. Um, and honestly, I think several of Jess's friends, she wrote some stuff on Facebook and several of her friends have like immediately went and got like mammograms and stuff like that just to be checked out um, or moles or whatever it might be just because uh, of her, um, you know, what she has gone through. But honestly, it was really scary. And uh, <clears throat> the craziest thing is just sitting and talking with my wife the thing that got her the most emotional was it really came down to in that point, and I, I thought this was just crazy because I, you know, uh, obviously she sees our kids, she didn't want to be away from them yeah. or them lose their mother. She lost her dad when she was like eighteen. So, uh, but she said the biggest thought that kept going through her mind was all this time in my life um, that I've been a Christian and I'm a believer and I thinking I trust, I, I want to trust God and trust in His goodness. And it comes here's the real thing: the shit has hit the fan. I might potentially have something that could, you know, cost me my life. Do I trust God? You know what I mean? And that was really heavy. Like we were both just talked it out and thought about it and just her just really figuring out, you know, man, this could be really bad. And not, I still believe God has the best for me. Right. And not necessarily, I think it's important to make the distinction. Jessica is not saying, do I trust that God is going to heal me? Right. She's saying, do I trust God no matter what happens? Right. Right. Exactly. Cause she, I mean, at, at that point of, Whatever God's going to do, I trust that he has the best plan for me, whatever that healing looks like, even if that means in heaven or whatever. So that was really tough. And yeah. honestly, I don't want to say that we got there where we were just like, yeah, whatever God does. I mean, it was dark. It really was. And we thank God that she doesn't have anything. And the weird thing, or not weird, but potentially miraculous thing was they actually assigned Jess a nurse, um, a transition nurse, I believe is what it's called, but I could be right. It, regardless, as a nurse. And, uh, that nurse called her after she found out the results is like uh, several hours later and said, Hey, I just want to tell you, I've been so anxious for you. I am so glad that the results of this came out this way. I can't believe it. And Jess thinks that they all potentially thought she definitely had cancer. Like I would that, say like, based like, on the way you described it. And when you uh, texted and called us initially, I felt pretty anxious about it. Not because, Oh, there's somebody I know, but the way you described <clears> the scenario <throat> and the gravity and the way the guy's demeanor changed and that I'd say it sounded pretty, you know, it sounded pretty scary to me. You, you, it was. It, it really was. I mean, it's just a, it's a crazy thing where you're just living your life and doing this and that and trying to get your jobs done, and all of a sudden, then everything goes zoom yeah. and just stops, and you go, "Oh, crap! This it's is so, this is it's real." It's so crazy how I'm wired up because I, I don't take things super serious. Like I definitely took what Toby and Jessica were going through serious, but I don't think to myself oh my gosh this is horrible until it's officially horrible like i just always assume yeah probably not you know and does jessica feel like there's um like something hanging over her head now like because of what you said as far as there being a possibility no because it doesn't mean that she's definitely going to get cancer or anything like that it just means hey you probably need to get checked out does yeah. she have family regularly. history her aunt had breast cancer and had a double mastectomy. Um, mm-hmm. Her mom's had some uh, precancerous polyps removed, um, a few things like that. So, well, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, 
I mean, that sounds terrible, but th- I mean, this is this kind of marks the maybe stage of life that we're in. At first, it's like who's getting married and who's having kids, and now it's like who has sickness and who's going to die and who has cancer <laughs> in their family. I mean, I know that's crazy, but that's the that's you know after you getting up in your thirties and beyond, that's that's the stage of life where we start dealing with these kinds of things, and it's yeah, it's a couple of weeks pretty horrible. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Toby and I did a funeral for a lady that's 55 years old. Uh, I mean, you're not supposed to die when you're 55, but she got cancer and that was a super, super long process process, um, of death. But I was really proud of Toby. He did a great job, played three old timey hymns and, uh, it was it was awesome. I think so, it was good for everybody. So I'm sorry about that, Toby. I don't know if you have any other stuff you want to talk about. But what I want to ask you about is what is the subsequent diet that y'all have to go on now? Well, um, one last thing on that last part, though. It is it is funny. Like like you were saying, Matt, we're at an age now where things are changing, and uh, we are going to have to start dealing with health issues and stuff. And I guess I never thought, just as a young man, that one day I would literally be praying, like, God, please don't give my wife cancer. I, there's like two prayers now I feel like I'll be praying the rest of my life. Uh, one, God, just keep my wife and my family safe. Two, please, Lord, let Joey become a contestant on Biggest Loser. Yeah. And if so you just the, lose a little bit of weight, we would yeah. could rest a lot easier. That that one scares me probably more. A little bit more, I agree. Why is that scary? Because just, your obesity is it threatens your health, Joey. It threatens your health. Will you please sign the paperwork to try to be a contestant on Biggest Loser? Toby, you're looking at me right now. I'm not obese. Your health is in danger. Toby, you are... Hey, you man, he's doing that thing again where he, he thinks that body image thing. All right. My diet. Yes. So basically Jess has been watching every Netflix video now about bad food and stuff like that because the doctors actually, yeah. How did that come up? That the food was related to cancer? Well, there's a lot of studies out there that, uh, red meat and meat in general, uh, is basically what cancer cells and stuff kind of feed off a little bit. Some of the protein, animal proteins and stuff like that, I think. And so animal fats and stuff. So Jess feels really strongly, that we should move to more of a plant-based diet. So what I would say plant-based diet means that mean vegetarian or vegan or what? Yeah, it's just a it's a better way of saying that. I mean, does <laughs> you know, it mean but, that? Is it strict? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going vegan. No, we'll be doing probably more of a paleo type yeah. diet which we have done before, and which I really enjoy. And so basically, I would say the other thing plant-based meaning that we wouldn't do anything uh everything on now will be organic like grass-fed beef. Um, you know, we'll try to, we're going to really try to start shopping at local farms and, uh, going to different, uh, you know, markets and stuff that we can, that are trusted and have, uh, you know, organic stuff. And I know you probably are against a lot of the organic stuff thinking <laughs> that it's fake, but I would say at the very least, I would say grass fed beef is way better than, than yeah, corn fed beef and all like that stuff. Ground beef for eight ninety nine a pound. I'll yeah, you're right. It's going to be more expensive, but. We believe that it's just pro- just like you, we were just talking about. It's that time to really we we have to change our diet because our bodies are getting older and weaker. And so, I would say, like I, honestly, I'm lactose intolerant anyway. So we're going to be moving to Jess will probably do soy. I'll probably do almond milk, which I love anyway. Aww. And then <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> we'll uh, then with a lot of vegetarian stuff. Like we just had tonight was like uh, quinoa and, and uh, bl- uh, black eyed peas. Uh, it was really delicious. So oh, cool. Yeah. So we'll, we won't be eating as much meat. I hope 
But so far, I hadn't done that good. Joey walked in this morning. <laughs> Joey walked in first thing this morning to the office, and he says, hey, man, I was thinking of you. And he handed me a box, and I opened it up, and it had fried chicken and waffles in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I ate he it. He didn't even hesitate. He just kind of looked around for it. was it. almost gone by the time you handed it to me because I wolfed it down. It was so good. So I'm going to get mine. You don't have to worry about that. I'm, I'm going to get mine. About that. But I am hope, hoping that this is a transition eventually to where we will. I, I don't care if Jess is such a good cook that eating plant-based will be really good. So, Well, that's good. Thank you for sharing that with us, Toby. And, uh, you know, you know, maybe a little bit of a downer of the open to our podcast this week, but I appreciate it because it's true and it's real and it's what's going on. So yeah. we have the uh, interview coming up with Joey and I and Naeem in a few minutes. But before that, I want to cheer everybody up with something that always cheers everybody up, and that's science. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. That's just what I needed, Matt. Okay. I thought we just talked about science. Yeah, but... That was, yeah, maybe, but we're going to talk about like cooler science. He has a science. point. Actually, Joey has a point. We have kind of been talking about science for Let's just get to the guest, I guess. We no, did no, talk no, enough. I've got a segment. Oh, okay. All right, here we go. Astrophysics, chemistry, cellular biology, mathematics, gravitation, electromagnetism, evolution. And now it's time for... Science lessons for Christians because when it comes to science, Christians are stupid. Yeah. All right. All right. Science lesson for this week. It's not so much a lesson, it's just an exploration where I want people to uh, uh, be amazed at the wonder of the universe and God's creation Amen. in science. Amen. All right. So what I want you guys to do is uh, we're gonna we, the last couple times I've done a science segment we talked about stuff in the in the in the outer space and you know giant macro stuff but today I want to zoom all the way down to the atomic level and go to the ultra small we're made up of atoms and everybody knows that that's that's simple everybody knows how we're made up of just atoms so in the atoms what are the three parts that's a question for Joey what are the three parts of the atom. Uh, electrons, neutrons, and protons. Yes, if Pro- they, yes. Protons. Yes. No, croutons. Croutons Jones. are also a major part of atoms. <laughs> and so, hey, I, I can even go a little further. Uh, go ahead. The, pro- the protons and the neutrons make up the nucleus, and the That's electrons right. go around the nucleus. All right, but so what, te- and what the about pro- the mitochondria? And the, and the pro- protons no and the elect- cellular biology. Oh, Would I be correct to say that the number of electrons is always the same as the number of protons? It would be in a, a traditional atom, but in an ion, they could be plus or minus electrons. So, yes, very good, Joey. So, the the classical model of a atom is Bohr's model, and it is the proton, neutron, and the, you know, the single electron. Let's say a hydrogen atom is what we're going to use for this example. The hydrogen atom only has a proton and one electron. So, it's electrically balanced in that sense, and you have a electron orbiting around the uh, proton there in the nucleus, and that makes up the atom. Now, what's really interesting about atoms, they're basically all empty space. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So the electron is pretty far away from the nucleus, and if, and this is the point, this is what I want to show everybody is how small is that electron, and how far away is it from that proton in a hydrogen atom? So if let's just put it up to scale if an atom was the size of the earth the electron would be orbiting at the you know outside of the earth and the proton in the middle would be 
200 meters across. And the rest, the whole rest of the earth, What's that in or feet? Adam, <laughs> 600 feet, okay. is empty space. So to put, it, to put it in another way, imagine that there's a Coke can right in front of you, Toby. Okay. Right? That's, that's what size the proton is in a hydrogen atom. Now, the, the electron would be one mile away, and it would be the size of a pinhead. Dang. Can you imagine that? That's pretty nuts. So the the atom of hydrogen is that empty. The whole thing is empty. And it's not not really any different for uh, uranium or like lead. How about lead? Lead has a bunch of protons and neutrons in it and then a bunch of electrons, but it's a similar scale. It's the whole, even lead that you think is so dense and so heavy is completely empty. And all the atoms that you're made out of are all, almost all empty space. In fact, they're 99.9999999996% empty. That's how wow. empty atoms are. Yeah, but uh, so would you say that when I look at matter, then I'm it's looking empty. at a bunch of I'm looking at a bunch of protons. Neutrons and electrons. It's all empty space. So why don't why doesn't well, those why don't empty. you fall through the chair that you're sitting on right now is the question, and the answer is just because of electrostatic force is the only reason you don't because the they uh, the boundaries of the atoms stay totally intact even though they're all empty space, which is completely unbelievable. No, but here's what I'm not wrapping my mind around. What about all the electrons, neutrons, and protons? Like why? Why that's not empty space. So if you have a bunch of atoms, which there are a bunch of atoms in the chair that I'm sitting in right now, why right. why isn't those the things that I'm sitting on? You, a bunch of protons and neutrons and well, electrons. Those th- those those atoms themselves are empty space. So that you see the the nucleus of one all the way out a mile away to this pinhead electron, and then beyond that is the next electron, and then a mile away is the other nucleus. So the two nucleuses of hydrogen are two miles away in that analogy. Dang. So they, But the reason they don't collapse onto each other is because of the electrostatic force, electrical charge, and because they hold, they hold their shape even in empty space. So it's a, it's a wonder that you don't fall through the chair because even when you hold up a brick of lead... The thing is 99.999, you know, 12 nines empty space. And you think that is dense. So imagine how dense and heavy the, the actual nuclear material, the protons and the neutrons are. They're so heavy that one spoonful of them weighs as much as 100. Listen to this. One spoonful of protons and neutrons weighs as much as 100 million elephants. I don't understand. the protons and neutrons make up the whole mass of the atom essentially right right and they're mostly empty space so you think lead or mercury is a dense thing but it's really still even mercury and lead are mostly empty space and all the weight of them is in the nucleus so if you took the nucleuses i got you put all the nucleuses into a spoon then you would have a hundred million elephant weight spoon that's, so that's pretty, pretty incredible. Ridiculous. So all the matter that we're made up of, all on Earth, all in outer space, everything is almost all empty space. So that's pretty incredible. It's kind of like the two atoms that were walking down the street, Matt. Uh, yeah. You know, the, well, the one atom said to the other one, hey, I think I lost an electron. And the other one says, are you sure? And he says, yeah, I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the only other thing Wait, I want to add to Toby, that before. Did you get that joke? 
No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I want to add to the rest of the segment is they did discover a new uh, element this week. I, did y'all read about that? I don't want to. I mean, if it's in the news, then I don't want to trample. No, on that. no. Uh, they found a new element this week whose uh, atomic number, meaning the amount of uh, protons, protons. Neutrons, is over uh, 150. It's the heaviest whoa, 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 element. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just, that's the mass number, protons and neutrons. The atomic number is the number of protons. Sorry, or yeah, the I'm sorry, the mass number. Anyway, it's over 150. So making wow. it that most, the heaviest element ever found in an unprecedented way. And uh, you know how they name them after stuff, right? So the, the coolest part about this is the new element's name. It's called Joey's Fat Acetarium. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Wow. I'm that excited. Is, who named it? I don't know. They just, who found it? It was just the heaviest, most dense element ever found, so they had to name it Joey's Fat Acetarium. Anyway. Acetarium. Wow. That is I feel science. blessed and highly favored. Well, very good. And that's science this week. That was great. All right. And that's their science lesson for the week. I hope y'all are enjoying these. I loved it, Matt. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's talk about Amber Lynn putting out a new record. How about that? Yeah, let's do it. Um, hey, real quickly, Joey just left. He mouthed that he has to take a really bad dump, so he didn't <laughs> want the crowd to know that, but he is gone. So it'll probably just be us two, but let's do it. Okay. So you got, I'm sure everybody out there knows who Amberlynn is. You know, Stephen Christian was on our podcast two weeks ago before Dave Bazan. And Amberlynn, as we talked about in the episode, does have a new album coming out. It's called Lowborn. Lowborn. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it'll be out tomorrow. You know that? I did know that. And I'm actually really excited about it. Um, they put out a ton of albums. And I know about putting out a ton of albums because we have two. But they've been around for quite a while. And then it doesn't ever get bad. It's always good. Yeah, it's awesome. This one's called Lowborn, and uh, we've toured with them, and you know, I'm sure you heard on that episode, uh, all the way back from our very first tour was with them, and we've really enjoyed all the music they've done and getting to know those guys very much. And so we're real happy to bring to you a song from them and talk about them on the podcast. Uh, Tooth and Nail sponsors the Bad Christian Podcast, and... Uh, we're happy to promote really good bands that they have when they have good albums and they're coming out and we love them. It's always a, a treat for us to get to tell you about them and share that. So what we're yeah. going to do today is play a little bit or a whole whole bit of a track of theirs called Hearing Voices. It's on their new album, Lowborn. I've heard this song and it's awesome. All right, so let me start this track here. It's called Hearing Voices. Here we go. Nice, Nate, on the drums. Woo. Oh, man, I feel like I'm in 2006 right now. I'm getting crazy into my head. I know Steven's always had kind of a flair for 80s stuff. I definitely hear like a, an 80s vibe in and also super modern as well. 
This song really has a good groove. Like, I'm kind of grooving. I'm shaking my head here, and I'm grooving. Yeah, you and everybody in America listen to Bad Christian Podcast just bobbing their head right now. How many people are bobbing their head right now? I would say millions. Well, we get millions of downloads, so certainly. Man, this drum work's awesome. I actually really am. Seriously, it's really cool. Nate's legit. But I have to give it to Dion on that bass, though. I just saw Aaron Sprinkle uh, last week, and he was talking about how he did the vocals with Steven on this, and they just had the best time. They did it in Nashville at Sprinkle's place. And, you know, he was sad because it's the last Amberlynn record, and he's done so much with him, too. Yeah, Steven really does have, I don't want to blow too much smoke up his ass, but he really does have a, uh, I, I don't want to say iconic, but you know his voice. When you hear Steven sing, you know, you're like, oh, that's Amberlynn right there. I mean, it's just. Well, let's see. Well, is Amberlynn on tour, Toby? Do you know? They sure are, Matt. They're actually on Vans Warp Tour right now. Oh, that's um, right. I probably didn't have to say Vans, but I hope maybe Vans would like to sponsor our podcast someday, <laughs> so I'll throw them in there. But uh, they're on Warp Tour right now uh, this this summer, and then they're going to be doing a, I believe it's worldwide uh, final tour because this is it. This is the last album. This is going to be the last tour, and that's that's this fall touring uh all over the world and it's going to end in the united states the good old us of a so you cannot miss this tour yep. there are so many fans out there of amberlynn so this is your last chance but most importantly let's focus on this this record that you're hearing right now is coming out tomorrow it's called lowborn you can get the record or the vinyl at toothandnail.merchline.com. And obviously, you can get it on iTunes or in any store as well. But go over and get it at toothandnail.com. Get that vinyl. Uh, support this band. They've been uh, a really big a really big influence on the whole scene of music that we've been involved in. And we know you guys like Amberlynn. You tell us all the time. So uh, this is it. Last chance. First week. Last album. Lowborn. Yeah, and we want to promote this, uh, you know, just because we like their music. But also, these are great dudes. We've been friends with these guys forever. This is a great album. Go pick it up. Do not miss out on an opportunity to pick up one of your favorite band's last album. You do not want to miss this. Yep, and that's, that track is called Hearing Voices. There's a bunch of other good ones on there, and there's a good variety and mix of all types of songs. I've heard the whole record. It's great. Yeah, I know. There's a one song called Emery Taught Us Everything We Know. There's yep. one called, hey, we have to quit because Emery's still doing it. Yep. And, of course, uh, the last song on the record is just called Emery. Right. That's right. So, if Joey's, Joey, if Joey's back, I want to ask you guys, how are y'all doing with hey, your... Hey, I think he is back. That's right. Well, how are you guys doing with your X3 watch? Oh, man, just all over it. Just... Did, y'all get, did y'all get reports from me this week? Yeah, you need to do, you need to put some more things on whitelist, man, for sure. Yeah, that. I get. I, I've been getting uh, a few from Joey, but I, but then they'll then he whitelists them. So uh, and I just know like the funniest one is when it was bad Christian a couple times. <laughs> I thought that was really funny because our our site triggers. Well, we do a have lot of questionable sexual words I, on there. Yeah, I do. Things. I do have to say that I like I've I knew about Triple X uh, for a long time, and I did not realize you could have a subscription that actually block stuff before you even get to it. And that is a pleasant surprise because honestly, uh, I feel, I feel a lot safer when my kids want to get online. Um, I still feel like I need to monitor it, but the chances of them seeing something that 
you know, is curious to them off to the side of a gymnastics YouTube video and they click on it and see, you know, porn, the chances of that are pretty slim because of the uh, program. Yeah, so I, I imagine, really especially like if you have children. I mean, it's not even like that they're going to intentionally search like mega porn sites, but there's a ton of questionable material that you would love to know that, you know, your kids, because how old are your kids, Joey? Oldest is eight. Oldest is eight. What's your then, youngest kid that uses the internet by themselves? I guess technically William, who is four, would know how to get on the internet, but I don't think he could surf it. So I guess six. Six. That's, so you have a six-year-old that could click on YouTube videos and click links yes. to other sites if you were not just in the other room. Right. And you think it's, X3 Watch catches some of that, would, would catch some of that stuff even if it was just an accidental click towards something crazy. Well, just hearing you guys talk, I think it's kind of cool. I didn't, I didn't even have this thought before, but if you left your computer open and one of your kids got on and then went to some questionable material, it would be sent to like me. Yeah. And I, would, I would call you and you go, that's huh, true. how did this happen? Yeah, and then like, I could have a conversation. Yeah, like even if you see. didn't know about it. Yeah, I think that's really cool because like, for example, that happened with, with me. Jess might would see it. You guys might would see it. And y'all would, y'all, I would go, I definitely didn't go there, huh? And then you would one by one by process of elimination figure out, oh man, this was my kid. Oh, hey, let's have this real conversation. Why'd you go here? What is, you know, and you would just see, so that's kind of cool. I didn't even think about <laughs> the wheels using it are that turning, way, that's pretty and, neat. And Toby just figured out how to blame his porn view, viewers <laughs> on his daughter. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> well, anyway, X3 Watch has been doing a great job. It's, it's definitely caught some uh, material for me, and I know you guys have seen it when it comes through on the report, that it's probably stuff I, sh- I don't need to be looking at, regardless of if it's intentional pornography use or not. I'm glad that since I've put that on my computer, I've not even been close to looking at anything pornographic on my computer. So Matt, thank I'm, you, X3 I'm gonna, Watch, for that. Yeah, Matt, I'm going to ask you this, buddy. Um, are you disappointed that we haven't had a show yet to where one of us is really busted. Like, I think that would actually make you happy. Um, yeah, I would. I think it would be, first of all, good in our tr- for what Bad Christian does in transparency. Like, I, I, would, I will share it if I mess up and you bust me. We can do that on the show. I got no problem with that. And secondly, I think it would just it'd be a really good thing for, to show the product and, and, and what it does because people, people do mess up. And I, I will tell you the truth. I've wanted to. I've thought about looking at pornography. I, I mean, it crosses my mind from time to time. So yeah. I hope it does catch me. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, you have to be careful in anything you do. Like today, I was just looking at ESPN.com, and they have a new issue that's coming out of their magazine called, I think it's called The Body Issue or something like that. But it's all these athletes who are naked. It's men and women. And Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, if you go to it, it's probably on there right now. I won't go to it, but I, I really was like, "Ooh, I should check this out." Because I mean, I, and and I go, "What am I doing?" I, and I have to sit there and go, "Wait a minute, this isn't good for me. Why do I need to check that out? What am I even thinking?" Yeah, and, and you just have to get away from it. And so, I wonder now. You know what? I didn't go to the site. I wonder if that would have clicked anything or highlighted anything on uh, on X Watch. It probably would have got it. So if you guys want to try X3 Watch, you go to x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian, and there's a free trial there. And if you want to sign up for it and get it, the full version, you can get it for half off for the year. It's very, very cheap. It's not much more than a cup of coffee just to get this stuff, just to make sure and keep you accountable, have a virtual friend in the room at all times to make sure that your browsing habits are uh, free and clear and that you're being open and honest and transparent 
with other people. That's one of the biggest values of bad Christian. You got you should have nothing to hide. If there's anything you're hiding, that's a bad deal. So X3 yeah, so if watch. you don't if you don't want to look at porn and you're not willing to get uh, this uh, software, then you can ca- castrate yourself. I mean, that's another option. No, yeah, that's a good option. Harsh. No, I mean it's fine if if you'd prefer to castrate yeah, yourself. Yeah, it sounds intense. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, if you it's don't, your choice. Like a, you can that buy. Has you to can take get, a whole day at least. I'm no, just, just saying your choice. If you if you don't want this software, but you do want to stop porn, then just cut your thing off, and then yeah. you won't have to pay. Well, if you just cut your hands off, well, you could do that too. But I, it, you know. yeah, but that wouldn't that wouldn't cause you to stop lusting. Cutting mm, your yeah, little. Why wouldn't you just cut your eyes out? No, castration would be the best option there. Yeah, I yeah, agree. for sure. For sure. Then you just lose your total sex drive and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. But or you, you get this, or you could get X three watch. Your choice. Oh, I could get so much accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right, Toby. Well, thank you for uh, sharing with us today. We've enjoyed having you on here. So, guys, I'm uh, excited to hear y'all's interview without me. I think it's going to be boring. Yeah. Probably going to be probably <laughs> pretty. Uh, you know, low bar humor. It's no, it's going to it's going to sound really intelligent though. I'll tell you that. What, it's going to sound like a smart interview. <laughs> All right, so we're going to have Naeem Fazel on here, and then we'll come back and we'll do a little nose news with Toby right after yeah, that. A little so, nose, that's true. A little Toby's news with Toby right after this interview with Naeem Fazel. Woo! I know you guys out there are thinking about or already have started a podcast of your own, and you know what? You should. You should today because it's easy to record a podcast. It's easy to talk. What's not as easy is hosting. We use SignalLeaf.com for our hosting. If you're listening to this, it's coming through SignalLeaf.com's hosting service. It's really easy to upload your podcast there. It's a very good deal. They're a great new company. It is not complicated with them. They're hosting without the headache. SignalLeaf.com forward slash bad Christian is the URL for you to go to to get started with a free trial. Do it today. Signalleaf.com forward slash bad Christian. And we're back. Hey, guys. Uh, the guest that you've been waiting for here, we are uh, with Pastor Naeem, and he is from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's the pastor of the church. He's got an incredible story. Uh, most recently, he wrote the book Ex-Muslim, which I think is kind of self-explanatory what his story is about. So, Naeem, welcome, man. Thanks for being here with us. Oh, man, guys. Thanks. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Definitely. So, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, huh? Are you and uh, Stephen Furtick buddies? <laughs> yeah, actually, we are. We know each other. Yeah, We know awesome. each other. He's a busy man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he is. So, let's go slow with this topic because I'm sure it'll be – uh, confusing to a lot of people. A lot of people like me don't know that much about uh, Muslim, Islam, the Middle East, all these things. So let me ask a couple of basic questions, or let me tell you my assumptions. You tell me if I'm right or wrong about them. Anybody who okay. wears a turban is a Muslim. Anyone who is a Muslim is also a terrorist. And are you related to Obama? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh but uh, yeah, yeah. So the first the first question is, no, you know, Sikhs uh, uh, in India they wear turbans, mm-hmm. pretty good ones actually, and and they have nothing to do with Islam. Uh, in fact, they would be quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, so Matt, you, and Matt, what was you, the other one? Uh, the second one is all are all Muslims terrorists? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Come on, because good. not all Arabs. 
also because not all Arabs are uh, Muslims. Yes. Yeah. What about a Kamal Ajwan, dude? You know he's not a terrorist. I guess you're right. I never thought about it. I just assumed, I like, if you see him, you're supposed to freak out or something. Now, I'm obviously just representing the ignorance of many people, but I figured yeah. we can start slow. Matt, you have uh, you haven't met Naeem before, so no. let me just put a visual in your head. He is a super, super nice looking. Arab. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it. He's just a nice looking. I would looking say guy. hot. I would just say hot. hot. Just okay, hot. Like if you could imagine Barbie dolls uh, and Ken dolls originating uh, in Palestine, <laughs> the Ken doll would look just like Naeem. So Naeem, you're from Kuwait, right? Well, yes and no. Okay. My parents are Pakistani, so I'm, and I am a Pakistani. They moved and uh, to Kuwait before I was born, and I was born in Kuwait. So I'm actually yeah. Pakistani. Gotcha. Uh, born, raised in Kuwait. Yeah. All right, gotcha. So just to clarify yeah. here, Naeem, you yeah. are a Christian, right? <laughs> right. I'm saying. I'm just yes, saying you're a Christian pastor. I just in case the people are just kind of tuning in here, and not paying attention. Yes, I'm a Christian pastor. Okay, and so. You therefore are not a Muslim, and your book ex-Muslim. So you were a part of the Muslim religion. Is that something you grew up with? Is is that normal in Pakistan, or has to do more with Kuwait, or is it more ethnic? Can you give us a little bit more background there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Pakistan is a Muslim country. It was connected mm-hmm. to India, and then got uh, lib- uh, got its own uh, independence. And so it's a Muslim uh, country. Uh, and uh, most of the Muslims are, I would say, uh, Sunni. And so the Sunni, uh, I was born in Sunni Muslim. And then I, when we moved to Kuwait, uh, and Kuwait, uh, again, it's an Arab Muslim country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was born, there, born raised there as a traditional conservative Muslim. Uh, and with, to give you a picture, I have two brothers, two sisters. My sister's covered up. Mm-hmm. So if you have images of Muslim women covered up, they would be one of them. All the way to the um, eyes. No, 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 just the face. Okay. The face. Yeah, the eye thing is more of Saudi Arabia Okay. and more of a Bedouin thing. So were you there when yeah. uh, when George Bush Sr. decided to attack uh, Iraq when they took over y'all's country? Yes. Yeah. Dang. So in 1990, the Gulf War took place. I was in the Gulf War. Yeah, we survived wow. the Gulf War. Uh, was we were there when Iraq invaded Kuwait, and then uh, uh, and that was just a crazy, crazy time. And we decided to stay uh, just because we didn't want to leave. The only way to leave Kuwait was to go through Iraq. And yeah. we had heard some really horror stories in Iraq. So we, about. and how old were you then? I was, uh, I think I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. 16, yeah. And how did you and your family have the means to get over here to the United States? Um, we swam here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically what happened, man, is that uh, uh, in 1992, um, Kuwait was uh, becoming, a little bit, you know, getting normalized a little bit after the devastation of the war. And I got a visit visa uh, to come to the U.S. My brother, older brother, so I have... Uh, two brothers and two sisters. The older one had already gotten accepted to a college in the late 80s, mm-hmm. like uh, 89 or something, uh, in in Charleston. Uh, sorry, not in Charleston, but in Spartanburg, uh, South Carolina. It was uh, it was called Spartanburg Methodist University. Spartanburg Methodist, yeah. That's where we're from. I'm from uh, right down the road from Spartanburg. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he went to school there. 
two years and then transferred to uh, College of Charleston. Very good. So when does Jesus enter into the story for your family or for you specifically? I don't know if it is for your family or not. Yeah. Um, well, we start off with my brother. He When he came back the summer, the first year he was in the U.S., uh, I think it was the first summer he he, he came back and he, he was like, you know, uh, he, was, he was different. The second summer he came back, he said I was a Christian and he was no longer a Muslim. And he was going to tell mom and dad. And at that point, I actually got furious. I threatened to kill him. And you um, meant it? Like it was I, uh, Yeah, yeah, man. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. I uh, grabbed his neck, pinned him to the wall, wow. trying to kill him. And uh, Why? What, gonna, what, you know, what caused you to feel that strongly? Uh, was it you emotionally felt that strong or thought it was the right thing to do? How did you feel at that time? Yeah, because, you know, in Islam, you you know, when you do something like that, when you change your shift, it's not like, in the Western thought, you know, this idea of, oh, well, I can I choose to believe whatever I want to believe, and I can mm-hmm. believe out of something, and, you know, and today I'm going to believe something else. You know, you know, it's, it's, a, it's more of a nationality. Uh, Islam yeah. is, is a lot more than just a religion, and so it, it kind of unites all the uh, Muslims together, regardless if they're Arab or not. And, and so when you do something like that, it can break up your family. It's a big, big deal. It's basically him saying, I don't want to be a part of the family anymore. Yeah, so it's just a huge um, personal and, offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, you, so yeah. Naeem, you literally tried to kill him. Threatened to kill well, him. Well, I threatened to. I didn't try. Oh, yeah, okay. I threatened to. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I mean, I was 16, you know. Right. So, uh, a lot of hormones. Too, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what happened next, man? We're, like, on the edge of so our seat. next, here. yeah. Yeah, so next what happened is that uh, uh, he didn't tell his mom and dad, you know, uh, he kind of kept it quiet, and then he took off, and then Iraq invaded Kuwait, and, and I was stuck in the war, and in 1992, I got a chance to come to the U.S., and my dad basically got a visit visa, and he said, hey, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a visit visa uh, for all of us to basically say, hey, we're going to go and um, uh, we're going to visit our son that we haven't seen. But here's what we're going to do. You're the only one who's going to go. And he said, the, the way to do this is if you go, just go there, get to the U.S. and try to get to college, get into college and switch out your visa. That's the only solution. Mm-hmm. Basically, my dad was like, you know, if I were you, I would not come back. Right. And so the plan, yeah, the plan was to just go and figure it out because Kuwait was pretty much devastated. Uh, like I told you before, I'm actually Pakistani, so I didn't. In Kuwait, you can't become a citizen. You can't own property. You always have to be sponsored. Mm-hmm. So regardless how old you're, how old you're, how long you stay there. And, and in Pakistan, I couldn't go back to Pakistan because I never really lived there for a long period of time. And so my dad was like, just go to the States. So I came here. My brother was, you know, a Christian. I knew that. And he didn't, um, and I was expecting him to, uh, to talk about Jesus, you know. But yeah. it was very interesting what happened, though. Yeah. So did you have Very at that time, um, you say that uh, this is something that I'm unclear on, uh, when you're Muslim and it's all tied up in your family and your nationality and all that, is it also a very spiritual thing that you feel uh, and, you know, with the, like you really, really did still believe in the Muslim religion and pray and believe that you were interacting? Yeah, and I think where Matt is getting at with that question is we hear all the time, well, Sure, you say you feel Jesus and you feel his presence, but so do all the other religions. So, yeah, I'm kind of asking, do they? Like, what yeah. was your spiritual experience in the Muslim religion? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you do. You know, it's like the same thing, man. It's like, okay, for, you know, if you ask people who do meditation and yoga, they'll say they feel something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They feel a connection. I mean, you can feel goosebumps doing anything. You know, you sure. can have an amazing, you know, sunset and you're, you know, you're there by the ocean or you look up at the stars and you feel something. I mean, so, yeah, everybody feels a connection. So you, know, you to, prayed to, to Allah to and believed that he was hearing you and felt him back from your point of view. Yeah, yeah. The thing with it, with the thing of Islam, though, is that you, only, you can only uh, pray in Arabic regardless of your nationality. Wow. The prayer, prayers are, are already, they're just reciting stuff that's already said. It's not like you talking I see. to Allah. It's, it's stuff that you say and you do, and there's a special, uh, uh, you know, ceremony to, like, kind of get, Kind of washing, you have to make sure you wash properly, and then you can pray. And there's a certain direction, you know, and a certain place you can pray, and a certain time you pray. Sure. Uh, so it's very formal, and uh, and it was all in Arabic. So you know, I kind of had a general idea what I was praying, but I had no idea. I was just reciting right. scripture. Okay. Well, so I, I was just like curious the, how spiritual it was, or if it was more just culture. I'm just trying to frame what this is like, and then set up the story as we yeah. go into encounter with Jesus. So we can get back to that now. Yeah. Yeah. How Jesus yeah. gets you, man. Yeah. So, uh, so my brother, uh, does not talk to me uh, about Jesus uh, and I was expecting him to, uh, and he, he basically just introduced me to his buddies. And, and at that time he had moved from Spartanburg to, to Charleston. Mm-hmm. So we were yeah. downtown Charleston. We lived there and, uh, he invited me to FCA fellowship of Christian athletes. And, uh, I mean, I didn't know exactly what that was. And, uh, but he said, Hey, there, there are cute girls there. <laughs> and I was like, I am in. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was, I was really looking forward to that. You know, it's really funny though, side note. So I was really looking forward to coming to the U S and yeah. I was really infatuated by like the idea of blonde women. Right. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. You know, and guess what? Where I landed first in the U S man. Where? Miami. <laughs> Miami. I was like, this is the wrong country. Yeah. So then I finally made my way to South Carolina where all the white people live. So, so he told me to come, and that's where Matt, I heard about the gospel. Yes. I'm sorry, Matt. You, you, just to tell you some funny stuff, I've seen Naeem get up in front of thousands of pastors like at a conference and actually tell all of them, hey, you're safe. It's okay. I've accepted Jesus. There's no bombs. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. I had to, just, had to interject that. Yeah. Be very careful when you shut the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, uh, why didn't you, so your brother didn't talk about Jesus at first. He just kind of soft landed you into the Christian culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I was learning, you know, I was, I was getting two cultures at the same time the American Western culture and Christian culture. And the uh, South, so too. Attending- so. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought everybody was, was like the South. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, people start talking about the South and the North and, and all that. And I had to ask my brother, I was like, so what is this? What's going on here? So they had to tell <laughs> me, you know, so. Um, but yeah, so he he just invites me and to come and uh, become, you know, and, and meet people. And so I start coming and getting to know people. And I heard the gospel, this idea that uh, uh, this idea of, 
of, you know, of basically Jesus's view on who God really is mm-hmm. and who Jesus uh, is and what he came to do. And so I, uh, I was, you know, it's really, when it comes down to it, you know, Muhammad basically said, this is what God is like, and this is what you need to do to reach him. Yeah. Uh, and connect with him. And then Jesus comes around, and he and, and I heard, no, this is what God really is like, and this is what you got to do. And so I was, um, I thought the idea of a personal, intimate God who cares so much about me and who would reveal Himself to me and personally walk with me, and uh, you know, I heard people talk about quiet times and you know, personal relationship with Jesus, and, and I just thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was idiotic to think that the God Almighty would have the time to bother with each one of us. And, yeah. And, I used to uh, think the same thing in all fairness, and I grew up Presbyterian, so. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought it was crazy. So, yeah. So uh, one night we finally, we were, uh, it was after, uh, you know, my brother finally started, we started arguing about it. Like, I, I, I brought it up. He did not. I brought it up. I was like, hey, man, this whole thing is great, but this is so stupid, you know. And he was adamant. He was adamant about the fact that if I just told, uh, if I would ask Jesus to reveal himself, he'd do it. Yeah. And I said, you're nuts. You're nuts. And I mean, I mocked him. And I was like, whatever, man. And so um, I was I was taken back by the fact that he was so confident of that. I was like, I, that is so weird. And so uh, the next FCA meeting, uh, when people ended in prayer, I just looked up and I just said, you know, I don't know if there's anybody up there, but if this stuff is if this stuff is true, I want to know. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't think I think I'm just talking to myself. It was yeah. kind of an awkward, just half-hearted prayer. And then, man, three days later, everything changed. Everything changed. And that's where the story gets really weird. Okay, so nothing happened at that moment when you prayed that exactly, like you didn't hear a voice or or something. No, no, no. I mean, I was. I mean, I just looked up and I was just talking to myself. But you were, but you were sincere. Sincere. At at that point, why weren't you thinking that you were talking to Allah, like you're looking up to the sky? I mean, are you thinking, oh crap, Allah is going to be mad at me for looking into another god or what? Yeah, I mean, um, now with remember with Allah, the context is always you're sitting on a mat. Yeah. Right. And you're praying. In a different language. Oh, I You're see. You're not having a conversation with so, Allah. Yeah, that makes sense. So that would be akin to like if you were just hanging out with somebody with a Ouija board, and they said, "Hey, if you put your finger on this, you'll get like a message or a psychic." And you're like, "Whatever, I'll try it." You know, but you you don't even put it in the context of your normal religion. It's just some other thing right. that you didn't believe in. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. It was just one of those like, yeah, because um, Allah and Muslim is so much more. You would say formal. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like I was on my prayer mat. Right. You know, I just finished up a prayer, and then I said, hey, by the way, Jesus, if you're around up there. Yeah. You know, you know, it was just, I was speaking, I was I was thinking in English. I was speaking it out loud, you know, or thinking it out loud kind of thing. That's so interesting. I, I know you haven't even got to the what you're about to say is the crazy part yet, but I already find this really compelling just trying to imagine myself in your shoes at that time i think it's it's quite interesting but it sounds to me like you had already come a long ways from putting him up against the wall to literally dipping your toe into talking to jesus yeah yeah 
Gee. Yeah, I mean, there was the, there was the, the, the idea of, of a personal God, you know, uh, was very intriguing because I believe that we're wired up that way. Um, uh, you know, the reason why people, regardless of their faith, regardless if they have faith or not, or they're trying to figure out if they really believe in God or anything like that, um, the, the, the curiosity of the soul is a good indicator that we were created by someone and we know we're kind of looking for yep, whatever that is. So, um, so the, the idea uh, made no sense, but yet it made, it can resonate with my uh, soul, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that was the conflict for me. Uh, so that's why it led to a, you know what, well, if this is true, I want to know. Yeah. yeah. So you think um, the true God and Jesus at that time, even before you asked, was working in you, on you? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think God's having more conversations, or not more, but or just as much conversations with, uh, you know, Christians versus non-Christians. Right. I mean, oh, that's interesting. You know, I mean, so, um, I mean, he came to seek and save that is lost. I mean, he, right. he kind of ignored the, the religious people anyway, so I think he still is doing that. So, anyways, um, yeah, so I wasn't expecting the prayer to, like, you know, radically change something. You know, I was just curious. I didn't know what was – I had no expectations of anything. I, I just didn't know. So uh, then what what happened was that three days later, uh, uh, you know, I was uh, – it was at nighttime. I was trying to fall asleep, and, and um, – uh, I was in one room and my brother was in the other room and, and I was reading a, just a novel or something and I just put it down to go to bed and shut off all the lights and my lamp light was right next to me in my bed and I was about to uh, go to sleep and uh, all of a sudden I just felt like uh, my body was reacting to this fear. It felt like death or evil had walked into the room. My mind couldn't really understand it but my body was reacting to it. And I was trying to try and process what, what in the world was going on. And then all of a sudden, something grabbed me from my shoulders and dragged me and pinned me to my pillow. And then my body started to react. And I, uh, um, you know, I tried to get up and something just basically paralyzed me. And, um, and the only thing I could do was move my neck. So I started, you know, doing what any sound person would do. I started cussing. <laughs> in every language I knew, and uh, and uh, I was flipping out, and uh, I realized I couldn't hear myself speak uh, or say something, and, and so I just just kept yelling. I, I I was looking around; the room looked very different. It felt like there were things that the room was alive; it was moving. There were things in there I just didn't understand. Evil things in there. Um, and then all of a sudden the door opened up and in walks this thing again. Uh, it's like a, it's a dark, shadowy, yet solid, bigger look, felt like, or could make out was like, it was like a walking gargoyle or something. It's crazy. Um, and it started walking towards me and, uh, and it started communicating to me. And it's, it basically said, uh, uh, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die tonight. Uh, and, uh, I mean, when, when I kind of got that message, I believed it to the core. I was like, this is gonna, this is it. And Gee. so as it was walking slowly, now this is again happening so fast. It felt like, 
but yet so slow. And I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, I just pissed off all lot. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, because in, in, in Islam, one of the things I grew up believing is that you're not really supposed to doubt. And that was part of the reason why I was mad at my, my brother, too, you know. And you're not supposed to doubt that God, that Allah is untrue, and uh, and he will punish you for your disbelief. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, in uh, in in Jesus is, you know, he's up for unbelief. You know, he doesn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, but... So I thought it was Allah. Then I thought, <laughs> then I thought it was Jesus. I was like, this is Jesus. <laughs> like I, I, I made fun of him and he's out to get me. And this is, this is what Jesus really looks like. He doesn't look anything like the pictures. You know, this is, this is what Jesus looks like. And I was just trying to figure out what in the world, you know, man. And it got to a point where I was like, I don't care who is out there like Allah, Buddha, Oprah, you know, whoever, man, you know, just save me from this. And, uh, so it reached my bed and, and I was about to like, okay, this is about to happen. And it, it disappeared and uh, whatever was holding me, let, let go. And I just found myself just stunned, uh, lying on my bed, freaked out. Like I was like, did I, what just happened? Yeah. And uh, still weirded out with the room and everything. So I ran out of the room, man, like a little girl. And I woke up my brother and I said, what the blank did you do? Yeah. Like, did you put something? Did you drug me? Did you, what did you do? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I told him, he's like, were you dreaming? And I was like, dude, I didn't even fall asleep. I haven't, I haven't slept. And, uh, um, and then he started telling me about the Bible, like the, yeah. the Gospels. See, I didn't know anything about the Gospels. I didn't know that Jesus interacted with demons. Right. Like, you know, in, in Islam, not really into that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We're not into demons, angels, or vampires, and gobbledanger. And we're just not into that. You know, we're into sci-fi sci stuff. And so <laughs> uh, we have... We, yeah, we have some, we have jinns. They call them jinns. They're ghosts, you know, but she's really not into that. Um, <laughs> and so when my brother tells me this, I'm like, you know, I basically wanted him to tell me I was dreaming. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, and he says, no, this is real. And I'm like, oh, crap, this is. Yeah. And so it's a thing. I said, so what's the deal? Uh, I feel like I'm going to, something's going to kill me and something's going to get me. And he, you know, he basically confirmed like that could happen. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was like, dude, you never talked about it at FCA. Like, no, <laughs> no, like, <laughs> well, I didn't people talk about this. And so, so basically I said, what do I need to do? And, and then he started telling me about, uh, he basically took me down the Romans road, you know, like he, he started telling me about, you know, sin and salvation and this and that. And 30 minutes into that, I was like, dude that's all fine and great, but there's like this really huge, nasty, invisible thing that's about to kill me. So I need some like serious help. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, well, I, he said, well, there's only one person I know that has authority over demons and angels. Yeah. And I was like, well, who? And he was like, Jesus. And I said, well, all right, then let's do this. And uh, he said, what do you mean? I was like, well, let's, let's pray. Let's do yeah. it. And he was, he was shocked. He was like, you want to pray? I was like, yeah, 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, what do you think I want to do? I mean, I don't, you know, and I never prayed out loud. You know, again, I'm I'm praying. I'm I'm used to praying in a mat, you know, and then, or, so anyways, I, my prayer was this. Right? I said, I said, Jesus, I don't know who you are, um, so I can't say you are the Lord of my life. Right. I uh, I don't know who you are, so I can't say that I love you and you're my savior and all that. But uh, Jesus, if I uh, if you save me from this thing, uh, I'll give you my whole life. And that was it. And then brother prayed for me, and uh, and uh, he's like, "Okay, amen, amen." Nothing, you know. Not, I was still scared to death. And he said, "All right, man. Well, um, um, you know, he gave me this, this small Gideon Bible, like this New Testament, you know, Gideon Bible that he had." Yeah. And he was like, "All right, man. You know, uh, you know, read this at some point." And I, in my head, I was like dude, like, move over. I'm spooning you. You know, I'm not, I'm not going back in that room, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going back right. in that room. I'm sleeping with you. And he was like, no, no, read, take this Bible and read it and go back in that room. I was like, you're nuts. And he was like, no, you gotta do this, man. You gotta do this. And after arguing back and forth, he's like, you gotta do this. You said, Jesus, you're gonna, you're gonna do this. And so I went back in the room, turned on all the lights and started reading John and, you know, I was freaking out because when you're spooked, you know, everything, everything makes a sound. And so I started reading it, didn't really quite understand it. And then I was like too freaked out to actually make sense of anything. And then I just got frustrated and and then I got angry, man. I got really furious and I put the Bible down, went, shut off the lights, got back in my bed and I just looked up and I said, Jesus, if I die tonight, it is your fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was it. I was like, I was like, this is, because, you know, to me, man, I was like, I, you know, it was three weeks. It had been three weeks since I've been to the U.S. I left everything, went through a war, um, you know, try, trying to figure out how to stay in this country, trying to figure out college, trying to figure out how to, you know, interact with people I don't know, trying to learn the language. I mean, I'm just, and then, then I got, you know, on top of that, I get, I mean, I get an invisible dude trying to kill me. I mean, that's not yeah. even fair, you know? So, I'm like, this is, you know, just leave me alone. Like, I don't want, and basically I was like, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be a Muslim. I don't want to be anything. I just want to leave me alone. Like, I just want to do my thing. And, and so at this uh, point, you believe that, that he exists? Jesus? Yeah. I mean, cause you're basically. See, at this saying, point, I was just like, I was just like, I don't know what in the world is going on. All I yeah. know is I, that happened. And then I, and then my brother told me, well, if you do this, if you pray to Jesus, this will happen. Yeah. Or you, you know, he'll protect you. And I was like, okay. But then, you know, in, an hour in that room, flipping out, right? Freaking out, didn't do anything. Right. And so I got back in the bed and and said what I said, you know, and and I turned off all the lights and put the covers over my head and and I just thought, you know, and, and to myself, I was like, yeah, okay, if anything else happens, just don't open your eyes. Because I didn't want to see anything crazy, you know, because what I saw was like just weird, just too weird for me. And right. so the next second, the next minute or so, I feel like someone's shaking me, you know, trying to wake me up. And I I think it was my brother initially. And then I thought, okay, this is round two. And um, the next thing I know, man, I am sitting on my bed, staring into um, 
um, the presence of, uh, of Jesus. The only reason I know that is because um, he said, I am Jesus and your life is not your own. And uh, guys, it was crazy. I mean, um, you know, it was... Um, was that audible? Me, uh, so, he spoke to you audibly? I don't know, man. I really don't know. Do you remember it what was you saw? Weird, yeah, it was just really, um, it was really crazy. It was, uh, it was like, um, like it was a different dimension. Uh, yeah, like, let, let example, me take a second I, here because I, I know that where, where this gets squirrely for a lot of people uh, from a skeptical point of view is it sounds like, oh, well, this is a dream or there's this and there's sleep paralysis and it could have been this and that. And then, you know, all your language says foggy stuff like, well, I couldn't really see it or it was communicating and stuff like that. But if the spiritual realm is real, which certainly is it at least a possibility anybody would have to admit, then you couldn't you couldn't expect it to be everything to be physical and you couldn't expect uh all you know whether communication is audible or not, or whether you could totally see it, or if you're just having to use language like see and hear to try to communicate in the physical realm about things that you experience spiritually. So that's my little disclaimer yeah. on that because it, it sounds like you're just describing vague, foggy physical experiences, but that's not really what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great observation, you know, because it's uh, it's hard to find language to describe sometimes what you feel. Right. You know, obviously, when you have a spiritual experience, it's a spiritual experience, so it's not physical or emotional. It's it's, it's a mix of all of those. So, so it was like I was looking at him, but I was inside of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't keep my eyes off of him, but I couldn't keep my eyes open. In fact, he was it was he was intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. Um, and I'd say this, you know, like I've never felt like the peace of God so aggressive. You would call um, it a very concrete spiritual experience. Yeah. I mean, it changed everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, what, what, what the, the big thing about that experience is not that experience, but what, what has happened the last 20 years. Um, so, um, I hear that I, I see this thing, him, uh, so weird, and he puts me to sleep. I mean, I literally just fall asleep. I couldn't, I can't stand being in his presence. And I got, and then the next morning I got the spiritual download and I can't, again, I can't explain it. And it said, I felt like I was supposed to be in ministry. I had no idea what that meant. I told my brother, Hey man, I'm supposed to be in ministry. I don't know what that means. And I, and in my, in my head, I was like, Oh God, I'm going to be a priest. Oh no. Yeah. Cause yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't like, you know, I talk, I say this a lot, but I, like, I met Jesus before I met the church. So I don't wow. know what Presbyterian means. And I don't know what Methodists are and Baptists. I don't know what Catholic, Catholics, uh, you know, think and the Protestants. I had no idea. I have no, I just know they're Christians. Okay. It was after that experience I realized I met the church. I was like, oh, they don't even like each other. <laughs> so I was like, what is going on? So I had a huge learning curve in terms of uh, trying to even figure out like what, what I experienced. Cause there are some people, man, Christians, good Christian people who they didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Cause it didn't fit their theology. Yeah. So like, okay, just imagine, imagine you got all these people at FCA praying for you and then, 
when it does happen, no one wants to talk about it. Golly. Like not that it was that was that was a mind job. So you probably like, had a, a obviously a gr- much greater sense of urgency than the typical South Carolina Christian at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, I was just like, holy. I mean, I, I, yeah, I was sitting in church services going, this cannot be it. Um, because what I was experiencing, and I write in the book, I mean, I tell a lot of the stories in the book. And, and you know, in the last, you know, I guess 20 years now, you know, I mean, God didn't stop with me. Uh, you know, the next year, my, my sister uh, came to faith, and that was, again, a very strange, like, I mean, I begin to hear God's voice and, mm-hmm. and I thought I was losing my mind and, uh, had to work through that and find out that he does talk. And, and, uh, you know, my sister got, you know, came to Christ at a downtown Charleston on Saturday night. We were eating at Applebee's at the time on King street when it was there years ago. And I just felt God say, take her out for a walk and she's going to come. I'm going to, I'm going to, she's going to come to me. And it happened you know, in the middle of us eating food. You know, my younger sister came to, to faith when after I had told my mom and dad about uh, us, like the three of us, my brother and I and my older sister, how we were Christians and wrecked her heart and got, you know, threw her into depression. She would, hadn't eaten for days. And um, it was, a. I told her on Sunday and on Wednesday, uh, she came out of that and, and was just freaking out and yelling and screaming. And it was just horrific. It was terrible. And uh, she was in the house and the house was chaotic. And, and so I went in my room and asked my younger sister to come in and she's crying. And she's like, why did you do this? And why are you guys doing this? And, you know, I just, again, I mean, the same emotion that I felt with my brother, it wasn't anger for her. It was just more of distress and sorrow and loss and, and she's sitting there, and two seconds later, I feel like God said, hey, I'm here, and I'm going to touch her right now, and she's going to come to me. And the next split second, she goes, I go, hey, I know you're crying about why I've come to Jesus, but do you feel Jesus in the room? And she goes, yes. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And so she comes to faith as my mom and is outside yelling and screaming about the three of us. The fourth one just came to faith. <laughs> so, so it you know these stories. I mean, yeah. I mean, are they, are they hard to believe? Yeah, of course they are. So let me let me ask you let me ask you this. There's we've we've talked to a handful of or we talked to a lot of the atheists, and you know they say, hey, a lot of you Christians, you you, you say that we're narrow minded, we're closed minded, we don't want to believe, and they're just like it couldn't be further from the truth. We want to believe, so. I'm thinking of some of our atheist listeners that are hearing your story and they're like, well, man, that's awesome. Why couldn't something like that happen? Like I know people personally that are just like, can God just please talk to me? Can he please just open my eyes? I mean, what, what would you say to someone? I mean, cause you're, you kind of have a unfair advantage, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, here's what I would say. I, I, I do, I, I, I believe this, uh, this thing to be true that says in the scriptures that, you know, whoever seeks finds, yeah. you know, if you would search me, from, you know, with a, a sincerely, you will find me. I, I believe that. 
Yeah. I believe it to the point where I don't feel like I need to convince anyone to come to faith in Jesus. Yeah. My, you know, you know, the world is not for me to save, you know, it's, it's Jesus's. So if he wants to do it, he does it. You know, uh, God speaks to people in, in, in ways that they need and their language. I mean, you yeah. know, people come to me and they say, Oh, you know what? Yeah. If I would have gotten that experience, you know, I would have yada, 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 or I wish I could have had yours. And that's just, you know, I, I get, I understand that, but yeah, but you don't want my life. Like, yeah, you know, if you want this experience, then how about you know you being stuck in a war, thinking you're gonna starve to death in Kuwait because there's no food and there's a threat of a chemical warfare. Mm-hmm. You yeah. want my life then too? I mean, so you don't have you don't you know you don't know the crap I've been through. So yeah. you, you know, you know, so. You know, you just want the you just want what you want. So that's right. uh, I think I mean, that's God what it boils needed. down to on that because it's is what when Joey's saying that that uh, people say I've heard atheists say that a lot too, and I'm not coming down on them. They say, "Hey, I believe in God. Just show yourself. I'm right here." But you know, from the the theme here in Naim's experience, it was not one of, "Hey, I know I know what I think the answers are, and I'm wide open intellectually." His is one of. Uh, humility and brokenness and like oh crap i'm not my own i'm I, I have no power i'm nobody i have nothing there's this crazy being that could just kill me at any moment and that is not the posture uh that uh, that oftentimes an agnostic or atheist person has when they're asking when they're saying yeah i'm wide open if god's true why don't you come talk to me right now that's a different posture yeah yeah i think it's hard to like okay, here's the problem with spirituality you know and it, it you know and faith it's always going to be a leap. There is no, like, you can't rationalize it out or intellectually come up with, you know, either arguments or, or answers that negate an actual leap of faith. That's not, doesn't exist. It's not, it takes a leap of faith to believe in God. It takes a leap of faith not to believe in God. It's always a leap. Mm -hmm. Now uh, for some people, you know, if I would say, you know, for Western Christianity, you know, the leap of faith is like a child-like faith, which I think is goofy because it's more like childish faith. You know, they believe because their grandma told them to believe. You know, they go to church because it's the thing to do. You know, and they never have an adult conversation of what they really believe. I think, man, just talking to people and in Christians and Westerns and others and even Hindus and Buddhists and and uh, Muslims that I've talked to, uh, most, you know, people want to uh, talk about Christianity and what they want to do is that they want to, uh, they want to use the Bible as an excuse not to believe in Jesus. Um, and the, 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 and fundamentally, here's the, here's, here's the big difference between Jesus and all the other religions. I think Islam is a great religion. I think it is. It's just a, you get your daily exercise if you do five times. You fast. You you know it's good morals. Um, there's always extremes to every religion, and so we've seen those um, in Islam. Uh, but there's good and bad and ugly in every religion, you know. But we're not we're and and religion. All of them tell one story. They basically say, here's what you need to do to get either uh, to heaven to get to the creator or to get a certain level of uh, enlightenment. Here's what you got to do to get there. Okay. Uh, Jesus 
had a totally different story. Uh, and Jesus didn't write the Bible. So, you know, just put that as it, as it is. Basically, Jesus was saying this. He said, here's the story. The story is that there is a God who created you, and he wants to relate to you as a father and as a friend. By the way, yeah. he did create everything, and he wants to always relate to you as that. And he is pursuing you more than you are him. He's going to make everything right, regardless if you believe it or not. And the story is not how do you get to him. It is like he is coming to you, and he's sending his son. You know, I remember talking to a Muslim mm -hmm. about this, and he was like, dude, I don't get the whole Jesus, son of God. This doesn't make any sense. And I told him, I said, I know. Yeah. I know. It's strange. It's goofy. And he was like, yeah, it is. I mean, come on. I mean, Jesus, God, having sex with a woman. I mean, how do you explain that? And, and I said, here's, here's what you need to know. I said, just, 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 just forget about that term, son of God, for a second, okay? And I told him, I said, hey, do you, do you, do you remember sacrificing animals? And in Islam, we do that. You know, uh, Muslim countries, and we sacrifice animals. I grew up sacrificing animals, and, and he did too. And, and I said, do you know why we did that? He said, yeah, because of our sins. We have to repay for our sins. We have, there's an atonement that there needs to be bloodshed for, this, uh, for the sins of, of, uh, out there. Jewish people understand this, and so Muslims do too. And, and I said, hey, you remember doing that? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, do you remember sometimes that uh, instead of like a couple of chickens, we would all get together, like cousins would get together and buy something bigger, and it would it, then and this bigger animal would basically signify that it's not just, like we would pool our resources together and say, it's not just a sin for this family, but it's also sins for like these five families. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah. I said, okay, let me ask you this. How big of a sacrifice would it take if it wasn't just for like two families or three, but for the entire human race ever to ever be born? How much of a sacrifice would it take to atone for the sins of yeah. all of humanity? And he would say, he, he sat back, he's like, that would take a big sacrifice. I yeah. said, he would take a God-sized sacrifice. He would yeah. take a God-sized sacrifice. That's why it would take God himself. Yeah. Gosh, that's that's awesome. who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. That's awesome. Definitely uh, got me choked up hearing part of your story. For those of you that uh, are listening, uh, you got to be crazy if you think just uh, 30 minutes here uh, gives the whole story justice. So you're going to have to go out and, and get this book. We'll give you more information on that before we say bye to Naeem. But uh, Matt and I, we get to do whatever we want with the rest of our time. So I want to ask you this, Naeem, if you get on an airplane and you see people um, start to get uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm serious. If you see, some well, you, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I just, I just want to. Uh, if you see people get uncomfortable, are you offended or are you just like, nah, that totally makes sense in a post 9/11 world? Oh, it totally makes sense to me, man. Uh, right after 9/11, uh, I, you know, I did quite some traveling and I actually had longer hair. Yeah, and uh, uh, so I looked—I would say more of uh, you know that description of a Middle Easterner. But yeah, I, you know it's funny—I have no problem with that, man. I, I I joke around because I I would go and get on a plane and I would look at the other Arab-looking guy and I'm like, I want to check him out because <laughs> I don't want to die. 
<laughs> well, you know, Naeem, I laughed at it because Naeem said earlier in uh, just a passing sentence, I think sums that up quickly. He just, without batting an eye, he doesn't have to defend uh, Muslims. Or he said the religion's great and every religion has extremes, you know, so that's, you know, nothing else to it. Everybody should be, if they have a, if they're not intent on hate and racism, everybody knows that there's extremes for every religion and, you know, don't be silly, essentially. Yeah. So people that yeah. people that say that um, the uh, Quran is just a fundamentally uh, pro-violent book, I, I've never read the Quran. I mean, would you say that's just completely false? No, no, no. There, there are extremes to it. Like there, there are. Okay, so most of Islam that you see practiced is yeah. actually the Hadith. It's not the Quran. Okay. It's actually another book called the Hadith which are sayings of Prophet Muhammad heard by uh, uh, someone else. Yeah. I know, it's kind of crazy, but it's all just sayings of Prophet Muhammad. So like the whole covering up and all that, what you practically see, is not Quran. It's actually Hadith. The Quran is philosophy and random. It's very hard to understand. It's classical Arabic. Most Muslims do not understand it. Most gotcha. Muslims have not read it. Um, yeah. Um, so, it, and, and, and some of them don't understand it. Um, um, you know, uh, and there are parts of it that look like serious Old Testament. So, yeah. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, you're like, well, God just said, wipe them all out. Yeah. I mean, don't even, you know, kill everyone. Kill mother, child, beast. I mean, so... Uh, the, 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 honestly, I mean, you know, there are millions of Muslims who are peaceful, who just want to live their lives. Yeah. But then that you've got the people who are power hungry, who want to oppress and they're going to use the scripture. They're going to use religion because religion is a strong force. And sadly it's used a lot. I mean, shoot. I mean, Christianity has its own history of using that. Right. So, uh, every religion has it. I mean, it's only the Buddhists, man, who are just chill, you know? <laughs> All the others. Yeah, they're chill. So, Naeem, it, it is really amazing to me that you have such a unique point of view or even worldview that yeah, you have that's uh, of Christianity, and, and it, it makes it just all the more strong and powerful. It's real easy for two guys from South Carolina to say we believe in Jesus because it's real and we've experienced him. That doesn't it doesn't carry a lot of weight, but the way you say it and from your background, I don't know of any, I mean, I don't know of any other explanation. So, yeah. uh, we really appreciate your story. And, uh, so I know that's all in your book. Uh, what else is in your book, ex-Muslim? Well, um, you know, the, I think in the book is a lot of real life stories of people who've met, who've met God. And, wow. uh, I think it's a great a tool to, uh, uh, to give to people who, who are searching for something that's real. I mean, I'm not saying that it, it answers all the questions. It does not. I think it yeah. actually raises some really good questions. Um, and the, the big question is, is that there is a God, you know, if you acknowledge him or not, uh, that is pursuing you. And for some of us, it's a 75 years old or 85 years old that are deathbed. And some of us, it's 80 years old and, you know, we, we feel him. But it, it's gonna it's gonna happen, and so I would encourage people to read it. And and here's the other thing about the book, um, you know, do I want to sell the book and make money? Yes, I do. But yeah. uh, here's <laughs> yeah, but but uh, the thing is, the book 
all the proceeds, all of uh, the author proceeds, do do not go to me. So, oh, um, it, yeah, <laughs> they do not go to me, and it's I'm, it's on done on purpose, uh, just because I wanted to do the message the to be very pure. The money actually goes to uh, Mosaic Church, the rebuilding a hope center, mm-hmm. and so it's a it's a place to like a tool to serve our city, and so all the proceeds actually go towards the the, the hope center. So I don't get the uh, the author royalties for it. I set it up early on before the book actually even came out. So uh, that's just to say, hey, if you like the book, buy twelve of them. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you and feel good get about. It, they get it from Amazon, Kindle. Where where all can they get it? Yeah, Amazon, Kindle, uh, uh, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, uh, you know anywhere that sells books, they can get it. And it's yep. Naeem, and then your last name is F A Z E L, Fazel? A A L. A L. F A Z A L. Yeah, and if you're listening, yeah. I and mean, if you we'll, just Google. Yeah. Yeah, if you can just Google uh, ex Muslim the book, it'll pop up. But uh, yeah, I'd love yeah. for people to, you know, if, they want, if they're interested, if they want to start a conversation of some kind, then, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, uh, Twitter. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll, uh, we'll tweet your uh, stuff too. out from our Twitter and get some conversations started that way. People like to engage with us there and Facebook as well. So we'll get some interactive dialogue going. Hey, for those of you that are not uh, connected to a uh, Christian community and you want to, and you happen to live in Charlotte, now you know the pastor of a church in Charlotte. So get your butts there. At uh, Mosaic Church, you can uh, Google that as well. You've been out there now since what? Oh five? No, six. Oh yeah. six. Okay, six. gotcha. Great. So yeah, the book proceeds go to his church there, Mosaic Church. So he doesn't get any of that money. It's set up for them. Although we did pay him ten grand for his appearance on the podcast today. <laughs> yeah, and the check is in the mail, right? Checks in the mail. That's right. Check in the mail. That's nice. Check in the email. In the email, yeah. So we've really enjoyed having you on here and, and hearing your story. I'm sure there's a ton more to hear, but uh, we appreciate what we were able to get from you today. Naeem, thanks so yeah, much, thanks. man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Definitely. All right, talk to you soon. Well, thank you so much, Naeem Fazel. We uh, really appreciate you being on uh, this podcast. Super fun uh, guy to talk to. And, uh, I know for me personally, hearing stories like that from someone who I respect and someone who I believe is an intelligent guy, uh, definitely strengthens my faith because I just don't think someone like Naeem, uh, would believe so strongly, uh, if it weren't, you know, some major truth to what he believes in. Yep, so I think it's, it's quite powerful. Good stuff. So we're, are we rejoining with Toby now, Joey? I am here. Toby oh, Toby is, is yes. back. So it's kind of like we've been all over the place in the future and the past. Yeah, it's a bit of a time warp. Yeah. yeah, you know, the only thing that's going to bring us all back together, don't you? Uh, there's only one thing I can think of. That the is, one thing that could bring us joy. That is unifying to all people in all walks of life everywhere. And that is? Yeah. What is it? It's news with Toby. Oh, boy. Woo! In this day and age, we all want the truth. Good evening. My name is Toby Morrell. This is News with Toby. The buck stops here. Mm-hmm. 
Good evening, folks. I want to go ahead and get right into it. All right. I, so what? I, we're just going to go right into the news here. We don't have, uh, I mean, it's all, it's actually nice and quiet and peaceful. So let's. It really is. I just kind of want to keep going, Matt. You're yeah, kind of yeah. Great. Let's just roll with it. Let's just roll. This is really like the greatest beginning that I've ever yeah, experienced I'm with my news. I'm great about okay. this. Go ahead. All right, great, man. I'm really excited. This is the best my news has ever began. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling great about it. So I was thinking about this topic the other day, and it, it kind of you know several of our last uh, few guests we've been talking about theology and religion and stuff like that, and I asked the question to myself: Are women more religious than men? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Woo! What? Like that. So, a new analysis uh, survey finds that women pray more often than men and are more likely to believe in God and are more religious than men in a variety of other now, ways. That is interesting as freaking hell. Go ahead. This comes from LiveScience.com. Uh, the reason analysts say could range from traditional mothering duties to the tendency of men uh, taking risks. And in this case, the chance that they might not go to heaven. That's what women are, are, might be thinking. So the latest fi- findings. Bam! You're nailing it, Toby. The latest You're findings it, come Toby. from data. You're nailing it, Toby. You're going to keep doing this? Joey, what are you doing? What is this, overcompensation? Uh, what, I'm what's just going cheering on? Toby. No, 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 no. Let's just get it out. Go ahead. Get it out. Go ahead. I want you to go ahead with your news. So get it out. You on. Get it out. Okay. I will get it out. I think you are remarkable. <sighs> And I really love your news. Get it out. Joey, you're... The latest findings come from the data that was collected in 2007 survey, and it says that 86% of women are affiliated with a religion as opposed to 79% of men. 77% of women absolutely have some certain belief in God. Uh, <laughs> this is just touching. It's t- go ahead. As Joey, opposed to hang 66%. On a to- hang on a second, Toby. Joey he is just so damn good. Joey... And it's killing me. I'm just looking at him, and I'm so proud. Just go. He's rubbing his belly. Go the hell on. Joey, if, if you think he's doing such a good job, tell us what this new story is about that he's talking about right now. It's about girls in church. <laughs> and the vast majority of them are the ones that carry uh, everything. Males suck. 66% of women pray at least daily compared to 49% of men. Mm-hmm. See, Paying attention, and then once again, fifty-eight percent absolutely have a certain belief in a personal God, um, rather than just a belief in God or universal spirit, as opposed to forty-five percent of men. So it is true, women are way more religious than men. Awesome, awesome, awesome! Nailed. Why is that awesome? I'm. The the You're news excited segment. about that? No, I'm not necessarily the content, but how it was delivered, baby. <laughs> yes. Talk about a damn home run, dude. It's yeah. like Matt just lobbed that shit up in the air and you just took a swing, buddy, and you just knocked it out of the damn. I spiked part. it. Unbelievable, man. I, I'm hey, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want well, the only the last thing I would like to comment on is, uh, so when people make fun of religious folks, they're ma- basically making fun of women. Yeah. It's like they, if making fun of religion is like a sexist Yes, a endeavor. sexist, cruel thing that yeah. uh, is against feminism and everything. Yeah, so yeah. I would just say anybody that talks shit about religion uh, is just, yeah, really sexist. Yeah, he's and up on should the go to women, jail. people. Yeah. Lay off of them. My yeah, gosh. Seriously, seriously, I love that conclusion. <sighs> Well, I'm glad you guys like that one. Um, moving on, this this one doesn't necessarily revolve around women, but uh, this comes from NBCNews.com, and nice. uh, it was it, this story is a little scary. 
Uh, an American student ends up trapped in a giant vagina sculpture. Oh, another vagina story. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. In Maine, is it Maine's Germany? Maine? Yeah. Golly. An American exchange student sparked. Where did you find this? An American this exchange student. Oh, an yeah. American exchange student sparked an extraordinary rescue mission when his leg became trapped National inside a giant vagina sculpture. It was a dare. The fire department squad leader, Marcus Moser, told NBC News, the young man had tried to pose for an unusual photo and climbed into the artwork. A total of 22 rescue workers with special equipment. Here's where I'm getting at. A total of 22 rescue workers with special equipment were deployed to get him out of the large vagina. All right. That's great. What are you laughing at? Vaginas. <laughs> Come on. They're not funny. They're not that funny. I just, I, I, I tell you what, listen, I'm, listen, I'm just beside myself. I am realizing for the first time just how good you are at this. <laughs> I'm a believer now. I mean, we went from girls in church and how they're carrying the load and how guys aren't to a dude stuck in a damn vagina. This news show sucks. I did the best I could to be in it, but it sucks. I hate this news. <laughs> I hate it. It's crazy. I mean, I, I don't know if the listeners out there really grasp the situation. Just how much I hate this no, news. It just that. sucks. I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if they grasp don't. how realistic your shifts in and out of depression really are. <laughs> I don't know if they get how the high highs are up there, the low lows are down there. I don't think the people really get it. This is this is not an act. This is not an act, folks. This is Joey's regular old what he does. So I'm, I'm all enjoying I'm, all it personally, I'm saying, Matt. You're always like, oh, I love this new segment. Oh, this is so great. Oh, yeah, he is a broadcaster. Blah, blah, blah. It sucks, and you know it. I I don't agree. I enjoy. I mean, first of all, I don't get to talk to Toby like every day. So whenever he's on here and he's telling me stuff that he heard, that's I like that. It's great. He finds good stories, and yeah, maybe his pronunciation of ethnic yeah uh, last names you're, is not that right. good. I understand. You're right. That. He finds great stories. A dude stuck in a vagina sculpture. Man, last accused I heard, of cruelty that to Israel rats. stepped up some violence, and they're bombing the hell out of people, and people are dying. And all you want to talk about is a dude stuck in a vagina sculpture. Go ahead with your news. I don't make the news. He reports it. I report it. Get All your right. facts straight. Okay. Get, Get your, your fat straight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last bit of news today is hey, not, is not for you. It is for Devin Shelton. Our good before friend you move Devin on Shelton. to that, can we talk more about the vagina sculpture? I'm just, I just want to know a little more details. You just want to know how you can do something sexual with it or kill it. Moving on. Ryan Gosling tried Vagina to get Rachel sculpture. McAdams kicked off the notebook. Now, Matt, you know. Wait, that Joe, movie's you might already know. out. I know. Uh, this is an old. This is a story because it's coming up on the, I think, the 10-year anniversary of the notebook. It sure uh -huh. is. Um, and it's one of Devin Shelton's favorite movies. He, loved, like he loves the rom-coms. So this was just a little bit of behind the scenes. Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams seem to have great chemistry both on screen and off screen when they were working on The Notebook, but in a new interview with the film's director, he said that Gosling actually tried to get her kicked off the set. Really? The beginning. They did not get along, and finally he put them in a room together, and they had a screaming match, and after that screaming match, uh, they came out, and he says that uh, 
Then we, we went into a room with the producer. They started screaming and yelling at each other. I walked out, and at that point, I was smoking cigarettes. I smoked a cigarette, and everybody came out, and they were just like, let's do this. And after that, Ryan respected her for standing up for her character, and Rachel was happy to get it get everything out in the open. Was the screaming match on the lake where it was pouring down rain in a boat? I've never seen the movie, so I've I don't know. I've never seen the movie either. Uh, now, here's what's crazy. They, they actually, uh, I have not, I've not seen it. Devin Shelton loves it. That's this true, is for though. Devin. It's a great movie. This news segment is for Devin Shelton. And the vagina sculpture is for who? You it's for you. That one in, it's buddy. for you. Do you know how much better this podcast would be if it was Matt and Toby and Devin? Oh my gosh! Don't don't, don't tease me like that. Okay, please Joey, don't tease me like that. Let us, you know, give us a break. Please don't tease me like that. I thought you were going to say something true for once and say, "Do you know how much better this would be if Toby didn't do stupid news?" Go ahead. All the right. notebook. Matt, we got to go. The pizza guy that Joey always gets to deliver <laughs> pizzas is here. How many pizzas does Joey order? Hey, guys, it's me. I got 10 pizzas. He's here. <laughs> Joey, give me your credit card, I guess. Pizza. You're making something you, up. No, you order pizza every time. <laughs> oh, so this is, is this a, <laughs> is that, oh, wow, that sounds like Toby. Sounds like Toby. It's not me. I'm right here. You're just like your bum. My bum? <laughs> Your mom. <laughs> I'm proud for you, to you, for you to say that. All right. Well, Joey's fat. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>